Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today, we have the privilege to enter into a conversation with Dr. Craig Allison to discuss the topic of systematic theology. Dr. Allison is professor of Christian theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and also currently serves as a pastor of Sojourn Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Prior to his ministry as a seminary professor, Greg was a staff member of Campus Crusade where he worked in campus ministry, as well as serving as a missionary in Italy and Switzerland. Greg also serves as the secretary of the Evangelical Theological Society and as the book review editor for theological, historical, and philosophical studies for the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Greg is an accomplished author, having written several major works of theology, including Historical Theology, Sojourners and Strangers, Roman Catholic Theology and Practice, The Unfinished Reformation, and the Baker Compact Dictionary of Theological Terms, to name a few. To find out more about Greg, you can check out sbts.edu. I'm thrilled to have Greg on the podcast today. Having sat as a student in many of his classes, I know this discussion will be a great help and encouragement to you as you seek to understand the Bible on a deeper level. Well, Dr. Allison, thank you for joining us today on the Practice of Theology podcast. It really is a joy to have you with us today to talk about systematic theology. Tyler, thanks so much for uh, having me on. It's uh, an honor, it's a privilege to be with you this afternoon. All right, so let's just start at the basics. What is systematic theology? How, how do you define it and how is it done? I'm going to define systematic theology by focusing on its task. It's, it's the discipline, it's the study that raises and answers a particular question. What are we to believe, do, and be today on the basis of all that Scripture affirms? So what are we to believe? So this would be sound doctrine. What are we to do? So this would be our life, our practice And what are we to be? What kind of people uh, as gospel-centered believers should we be on the basis of all that Scripture affirms on any particular topic from Scripture itself to God and his triune nature to salvation? What is the church, the hope of the church, and so forth? Mm. Okay, that's helpful. So how do you go about doing systematic theology? So so let's say I want to um, explore... uh, the, the idea of, of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, how would I do that with systematic theology? I could read all of Scripture with an eye toward discerning what does all Scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation say about God as triune, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That would be one approach. Another approach would be to consult historical theology, That is, what has the church historically believed about this God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and see where in Scripture historical theology has commonly turned to develop its doctrine of the Trinity. And then I would collect all of those passages of Scripture that address this topic, and I would seek to properly interpret them, to understand them. And then I would take a look at those passages in terms of biblical theology, 
which is kind of the progress of Revelation, moving from Genesis through Revelation. How have these themes about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit developed over the progress of Revelation? And, And then I would put all of that together, trying to answer the question. So on the basis of all of these passages of Scripture, rightly interpreted and understood properly in terms of all the development of Scripture, what are we to believe, do, and be today in relation to this topic of God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm, that, that's helpful. And, and so is is that is that what you would say the ultimate purpose of systematic theology is? Why, why do systematic theology? Ultimately, I think we do systematic theology to offer to the church a practical theology. That is, as we ask and answer the question, you know, what are we to believe, uh, do, and be today in relationship to God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? When we answer that question, then the the, the follow-up would be, so how do we preach this in our church? How do we teach this sound doctrine in our church? How do we mentor our people? How do we disciple our people in our small groups, in our counseling ministry, in our evangelizing? How do we take these truths uh, about God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and how do we practically engage people with these truths? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the ultimate purpose of systematic theology. Okay. Does systematic theology, is it a, uh, you had mentioned just a moment ago, you could you could read from Genesis to Revelation in terms of considering the Trinity um, and, and finding out what the whole of the Bible says um, about that particular doctrine, but how does systematic theology help us to see the whole of Scripture together, or, or does it? I think it does. It, it reminds us that, just thinking of the whole of Scripture, it reminds us that there's a before and there's an after. There's a promise and there's fulfillment. There's development. There's progress of revelation. So, for example, if we were focusing on a, a different question— how do we worship this God who is triune, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We would go and see that in the uh, Old Testament, the patriarchs would build altars. Mm-hmm. And, and then the people of Israel built a tabernacle. And then the people of Israel, through David and Solomon, built a, a, a temple, which was destroyed and rebuilt. And then we see Jesus being the, the new, uh, the Son of God incarnate as the temple, and the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we see, we, we know longer that we would not tell our congregation, well, you should build these altars in your backyard, or right, you should, uh, out here in our church long, we want to build a tabernacle or a temple to worship God. We would say, no, there's progressive revelation. These were ways that the people of God were instructed to worship him in the past, but there's been a progress of God's revelation. And so we don't do those things today. Rather, we worship in a new covenant way. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it really does help us to see the whole of Scripture in this way. Right, yeah. No, that, that's really helpful. And the reason I ask that, and, and I have a question about it later on, is you have something like biblical theology, which I'm going to ask you um, in a moment to help us to understand the difference between biblical theology and systematic theology. But one of the things that biblical theology does is help you to see the whole of Scripture and how this story plays out. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I think we can assume, well, since that's biblical theology, systematic theology just takes little bits and pieces and looks at those and doesn't really deal with the overarching. Um, so that's that's really helpful for you to clarify that for us. 
Um, so how does systematic theology help us better understand the Bible? All of us, whether we recognize it or not, approach our reading and meditation on Scripture, memorization of Scripture, with a theological framework. We have certain beliefs about God, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, salvation, what the gospel is, the church. And to the degree that our, the, 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 our theology conforms to Scripture, it helps us to read Scripture rightly. To the degree that that framework, or that theological framework, is not in line with Scripture, it distorts our understanding of the Bible. Mm. Right, so systematic theology provides a framework with which we should read the mm. Bible. Uh, John Calvin makes this point, why did he write the Institutes of the Christian Religion? Uh, it was to help Bible readers read and study the Bible properly with a Protestant theological framework rather than a Roman Catholic mm -hmm. theological framework. And it changes everything in terms of our reading of Scripture. Right, yeah. Okay, so that's a helpful. So does systematic theology help to make sure that we have a biblically accurate doctrine? So does systematic theology serve as a sort of fact check against improper doctrine? Yes, that is a right use of systematic theology. Assuming our systematic theology presents sound doctrine, mm -hmm. then if there are questionable doctrines, if there are false doctrines, heretical doctrines, systematic theology should cause us to raise our antenna and say something is amiss. So if we would hear today people saying human beings really are just their soul or their spirit and their body is, well, it gets in the way or maybe it's even inherently evil, Right, our systematic theology should detect something's amiss because Scripture itself never denigrates life in the body, and uh, certainly we are more than just our bodies. We are spirit, we're sp soul, we're body, uh, things like that. But systematic theology would say, "Gosh, there's something amiss if uh, we're disparaging uh, or ignoring our embodiment. Something's wrong." This is probably the infection of what we would call this heretical movement, Gnosticism right. from the from the past. So it alerts us to these dangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so a follow-up question to that, how do we know that we've arrived at the right conclusions? Because it's pretty easy to arrive at a conclusion and say it's different than this group's conclusion, but how do we know ours is right and theirs is incorrect? We would examine our theology to make sure that it has considered all of Scripture on whatever topic we're developing. And if we become alerted to the fact that we've ignored certain passages of Scripture because they don't fit our theology, that should warn us our theology could be distorted. So we want to check to make sure we've considered all relevant passages on whatever topic we're studying. And then we can go to historical theology and say, is what I, we're believing today, is it in a line with the, what the early mm -hmm. church believed in terms of its creeds? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our right. Lord, et cetera, et cetera. So we can be helped by the early creeds or for us who are evangelicals, who are Protestants, the, the Protestant confessions of faith. 
stating the authority and uh, of scripture and sola scriptura. Scripture is our ultimate authority and justification by God's grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. And, and then our current statements of faith, like the Baptist faith and message, we would want to ensure that our systematic theology is in line with uh, the church historical in terms of what it's always believed. Okay. Uh, no, that, that's really helpful. Um, and, and two, bringing in historical theology, I think that's something that sometimes we can often forget, is that we do have other sources that we can check. The, the church throughout history, they have, they have looked at these questions, they have answered these questions, and so it's always wonderful to, to, to be able to go back in history and judge our doctrine based on what the church has uh, arrived at historically. So we don't, we don't consider the theological formulations in the past as inerrant, as possessing the same authority of Scripture. But it, but it, it, right. it does hold this ministerial or serving authority. It, it helps us. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, for example, on the doctrine of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So, but it doesn't have that ultimate authority, but it can help us to check right. our theology to make sure we are in accordance with the church and its wisdom from the past. Right. And, and you hear people say sometimes, if you're the only one who's ever believed this, then maybe there's something wrong with what your your conclusions are. Um, and it seems like a, a posture with prayer and humility would be essential to, well, honestly, even just reading the Bible, but certainly in doing this uh, this systematic theology, um, you, you would want to just remain very humble um, and desire to be nothing but biblical. Um, okay, so Dr. Allison, you are a seminary professor. Uh, I've had the honor of sitting in a few systematic theology classes with you, I took a class with you on Roman Catholicism. And so my question for you, is systematic theology something that's more of an intellectual theology? It's not really that applicable to our lives? Or is systematic theology something that illuminates and informs the way we are to live as Christians in the world? Uh, the latter. <laughs> it, it, there is a good amount of intellectual uh, ability that's needed. Uh, right, there there needs to be careful reasoning, drawing proper conclusions, uh, putting together passages rightly. So there there's a there's a certain capability that's necessary, but it's not limited then to uh, geeks and nerds and you know just professional theologians. <laughs> right, lay people. Uh, I'm my heart always gets warmed. I'm always cheered when I see lay people reading theology and developing their love for God and love for others. I mean, just to take one example, uh, the doctrine of the church, right? Uh, lay people can start thinking about what does the Bible teach about the church in terms of what it is, you know, its identity mm -hmm. markers, right? It's it's gospel-centered and Christ-centered and, and uh, things like that. And then what does the Bible say about how the church should be run, how it should be led, governed, and who are the leaders of the church? And what are the ministries of the church? And how do we how does the church worship God? And how does it engage in preaching and the celebration of the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper? All of these are questions that are raised and answered by systematic theology, and lay people uh, can, can engage in these uh, exercises uh, as well. In fact, it really is for them, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and that's one of the things, uh, you know, for instance, you can go through um, someone like Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology and include it in every single uh, major section. There is a prayer and a hymn, scripture readings. Um, and so for him, it seems like systematic theology is something that naturally leads to worship. That, that's exactly right. R- right, yeah, as your understanding uh, of these things grows in proportion to what the Bible is revealing, um, you can't help but praise God for who He is and what He has done. That, that should be the result of uh, engagement in good systematic theology. As you said before, there should be humility, right? A willingness to listen to wisdom from the past, as well as our fellow colleagues in this in, in uh, today in our churches. And it should lead to prayer and praise of God a love for God and love for others and things like that. So these are the the various fruits of the proper endeavor of systematic theology. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so we mentioned early on um, this idea of systematic theology not being the same thing as biblical theology. Can you help us to understand how they differ? There are about a uh, hundred different definitions of biblical <laughs> theology, so yeah. I can, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take all of that on. But I think some <laughs> s- simple differences would be systematic theology, as I've said, considers all that the Bible affirms about any topic that we're, discover- we're discovering and, and mm-hmm. studying. So it could be who God is. It could be angels and demons. It could be the the, the person of the mediator, Jesus Christ. It could be the church. Um and typically, biblical theology kind of, if you think of the Bible as a pie, it'll take certain slices of the pie. Like, what does Moses in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, what does Moses talk about in terms of the worship of God, in terms of mm-hmm. holiness, sinfulness, salvation, and things like that? So it, so it takes a part of the pie that's biblical theology, whereas systematic theology would look at all of Scripture. Typically, also, biblical theology is more descriptive. It's trying to describe the theology as we find in the prophets, in the gospels, and so forth. A systematic theology usually is more prescriptive. What are we to believe, do, and be today? But there's also biblical theology that covers all of the Bible and puts it together in terms of themes, like the theme of covenant or the theme of God's glory. So that's closer to systematic theology. So there, there are different definitions of biblical theology, and thus there's different ways they, they relate. Right, right. Dr. Allison, how did you get into um, being a professor of systematic theology? What, what led you into um, academia and, and wanting to do this vocationally? So you mentioned Wayne Grudem. Uh, my very first course in seminary at the MDiv level was uh, beginning Greek with uh, Wayne Grudem, who at the time was a New Testament scholar. This is before he became a systematic theologian. And he and I became Mm. very dear friends. We continue to be dear friends even today. And I took a number of um, exegesis courses, uh, interpretation of the New Testament courses uh, with uh, Dr. Grudem. But he always had this emphasis on what does the all of the Bible affirm about what we're talking about? Mm. And uh, 
I, I became a missionary. My wife and I were a missionary for seven years, and and I had this growing unrest as we led people to the Lord and did basic discipleship with them. Who's going to teach the next generation of pastors and missionaries and and teachers and and things like that? And the Lord just seemed to indicate that I was supposed to do that. So I went and, and entered into the PhD program. Uh, and Wayne Grudem was my supervisor. I had considered going into New Testament and uh, decided, no, I really want to do a PhD in systematic theology. So I had a number of courses with him and uh, he was my supervisor for my dissertation, which was on the clarity of scripture. What does all the Bible say about the way God has written his His uh, word so that we can understand it? And and so I, I, I fell in love with it. And I see it also mm. as extremely practical helpful, beneficial to the church. And that was what was really pushing me towards this uh, discipline. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, at the end there, you talked about the practical nature of it. Um, How can we integrate systematic theology into our regular Bible study routines? Is that something that, that, that we can do as we're just doing our devotions each day? Sure. So we're reading passages, say, in John 14, 15, and 16. And here's where Jesus is, uh, emphasizing to his disciples, uh, and he's about to leave them, he's comforting them and giving them instructions about uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so as we're reading in our devotions, we should be immediately struck by the fact that here towards the very end of Jesus' life, he's got this very strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And so that should prompt us to think, so what do we believe do and be about the Holy Spirit today? Mm-hmm. Do, do we kind of look at him as the uh, shy God, the hidden God? Is he kind of like the junior God? The Father and the Son are on the varsity team, and the third person, the Holy Spirit, just can't wait to get on <laughs> under the varsity team. He's just on the junior varsity team. Yeah. What, what is the role of the Spirit in our life according to Jesus and, and, and things like that? So, as we do our devotions, as we're struck by themes that we see emerging, they can prompt us then to think, what does the rest of the Bible say about these various subjects? Mm. Yeah, no, and, and even as you're saying that, uh, specifically about the Holy Spirit and wanting to broaden our understanding of what the Bible, uh, what, what God himself reveals about the third person of the Trinity, as we begin to grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, for instance, we begin to grow in our understanding of our prayer life or the way in which the Holy Spirit uh, illuminates our eyes as we look at the Bible. Um, and so th- that's, you know, back to the practical nature of systematic theology. I've always realized as I am doing systematic theology or even sitting in a class and um, having to kind of write my own systematic theology, what I believe about these major doctrines, um, it always reveals a lot about me too. Uh, in, in terms of who I am and what I'm called to do as a follower of Jesus and the power with which I've been given to do that. And so that's something I've always appreciated about systematic theology. Um, what is your favorite thing about systematic theology? How has it drawn you closer to the Lord? Because obviously you are passionate about it, um, and just even hearing your answers, you can sense a, a, a tone of joy as you speak about these things. Yeah, so the, the, a year ago this month, a dear friend of mine, Andreas Kostenberger, and I came out with a book, Biblical Theology and Systematic Theology of the Holy Spirit. And I can say the mm. uh, two to three year project of writing that book 
just radically reoriented, reoriented my life. I found that huh. there was a paucity of emphasis in my own life on the Holy Spirit. And, and just like you mentioned, right, when, when we approach the Bible, we should, uh, we should grasp this idea. We're not going to be able to understand it unless the Holy Spirit illumines, helps uh, uh, mm. enlighten our minds and soften our hearts so that we will understand it and apply it. So I, I learned also the importance of yielding my life, submitting my life more and more uh, to the leadership of the Spirit, to the guidance of the Spirit. Uh, I once again, or maybe for the first time, discovered really uh, what we should look for in our lives and in the lives of our church more than programs and, and more than success is are our people, is our church uh, exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Are we a community of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth? Are we people mm. of that? And so it's it's helped me uh, maybe gain a fuller perspective on what do I want to see in my life? What do I want to see in my church? More than just programs and activities and functions and roles and ministries, there's more to it than that. So th this would just be one of uh, hundreds of ways that systematic theology continues to impact my life. So, so talking for a moment just about those who preach and teach the Bible, uh, maybe it's men teaching uh, on a Sunday morning, pastors, maybe it's a, a lady leading a, a women's Bible study, or um, even folks that are teaching young people. When they are preparing to teach a particular passage of Scripture, how does systematic theology help them to better understand that section of Scripture? So... Um Let's say you're preaching the very end of Genesis, uh, verses 26 to 31, in which verse 26 is the divine deliberation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and give them dominion. And verse 27 mm. is the actualization of that purpose of that plan. So God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then verse 28, there's the mandate. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and exercise dominion. And so if you're preaching that, that's just the very first part of the end of Genesis. If you're preaching that, I think it would be really wise to consult systematic theologies because all of them in one way or another would deal with the topic, what is the image of God? So that uh, we have that expression created in God's image, but what does it mean? And how has the church historically viewed this? And uh, is, is, uh, is the image of God like our rationality or our free will? Is it our relationship with God and relationship with one another's? Is it work? Is it uh, exercising dominion? What exactly is the image of God? I think that's a great mm -hmm. exercise for preachers uh, who are preparing to preach on that text to consider what does systematic theology say about the image of God in terms of what the whole Bible teaches about it? Right, right. Um, and another thing, too, we, we mentioned Dr. Grudem's systematic theology. Um, you have the companion to that volume, historical theology. How does systematic theology and historical theology relate to one another, or, or do they? So if we think of systematic theology uh, on a line of authority with uh, exegetical theology, that is, the proper interpretation of Scripture and biblical theology, which we've talked about, um, 
So we have exegetical theology, biblical theology, systematic theology. If, if they're on this line of authority, behind the line, I place historical theology. It mm. doesn't have authority like those other disciplines which deal directly with Scripture. Historical theology would be proper biblical interpretation and sound theological formulation, wisdom from the past that can inform what we believe, do, and be today. It can help us formulate our uh, systematic theology. And, and so I see the two really working in tandem, that, that uh, they, they need to go together. They, they're mutually informing. Right. Yeah. No, and that, and that's helpful, uh, a helpful clarification, because I do think sometimes, like, folks who are just in the church um, and, and they want to kind of dig into these things, you have biblical theology, historical theology, systematic theology, exegetical theology. And I think a lot of us are just like, I just am trying to read and understand the Bible a little bit more clearly, and now I have to even understand what these things are. Um, and so it's helpful to not be so intimidated by these things when you when you know what they are and the purpose that they serve. Yeah, and for, for, for new believers, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, <laughs> right? right? Read it from Genesis to Revelation, or, or start in Matthew, or John, or Paul, right? Pick up the Bible and read it, and read it, and read it, and read it, right? And and listen to sermons and teachings and things mm -hmm. like that to help you better understand it. And and as you're doing so, then start with some just very basic systematic theologies, like, like mm -hmm. one by Wayne Grudem, and start thinking right. through that. And then as you advance, you can add on these other layers, and you'll find the depth of your understanding and the depth of your living for the Lord deepening. So, mm. yeah, Amen. Well, and two, you mentioned good preaching. If if pastors are using systematic theology rightfully and helpfully, then as you are sitting week after week under these sermons, really in reality, you are doing systematic theology, even if you might not know it. It's it's being ingrained into the fabric of the way that you interpret Scripture and view Scripture. Um, and and you, 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 know, you may be in the Gospel of John, and you're in John chapter 1, and you see all of these uh, things about Jesus, and you're, you're already starting to cultivate kind of this picture of who Jesus is. Um, and then, you know, as you go throughout John, you start to fill that out more, and then as you get into Colossians, you see the Christ hymn, and you start building on it there, and by the time, you know, you look up, you, you have actually started forming a systematic theology. Absolutely. And preachers should do two things in their sermons. Help their uh, congregational members to properly uh, interpret and understand the Bible and help formulate, help them to formulate sound theology. They'll, those go mm -hmm. hand in hand. So just like you said, in the Gospel of John, you're helping uh, your congregational members understand this beautiful gospel, the gospel of belief, which rehearses over and over again from the very first line to the very end, the, the, the life and career of Jesus. Right. Um, but then you're also talking about uh, the, the, you know, some good systematic theology. So um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. There is so much theology packed into that, that a right. preacher, uh, right, uh, the pastor should be helping uh, his people to understand just that verse and then talking about who, so, so Jesus, who became incarnate 2,000 years ago, already existed in the <laughs> right. beginning. So when, when God created the universe and everything in it, there already was something. It was, was the Word who was with God and was God. Just unpacking the systematic theology, 
who is Jesus before he became incarnate? He's the eternal son of God. Will uh, help sharpen people's understanding of who it is, who this second person of the Trinity is. Mm. Yeah, amen, amen. And, and to we're actually going through that right now. Our pastor is uh, preaching through that gospel, and uh, it is just so rich. Um, and and another thing too is I think as you do systematic theology, because I mean even thinking about someone who um, has just started kind of diving into systematic theology, maybe proper. Um, and those who have been doing it for years and years and years, it kind of seems like there is a, an infinite will from which to draw. And your your say, let's say your theology of Christ, um, it's it's always expanding. Um, systematic theology is not something that helps us to arrive finally. Um, it 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 progressively kind of reveals these things and builds upon um, what what the Holy Spirit has given us. Absolutely. So, I mean, just to give an example, uh, I'm listening to uh, two systematic theologians uh, unpack the doctrine of the Trinity from this uh, 16th century reformer by the name of Polanus. His work only exists in Latin. So one of these two gentlemen has translated it, and then they discuss it together uh, for 35 to 40 minutes just on one simple idea about uh, the Trinity. Yeah. And I'm listening in on it, and I'm saying, I have never learned this, <laughs> and I'm just going deep, and I find my heart just rejoicing mm. to know God better and giving praise to him for, for who he is and how he's revealed himself. There is no end to what we can learn. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Um, and, and that just speaks to who God is. When, when we see in the Bible that he is, yes, relatable, yes, knowable, um, but also vastly infinite and beyond, um, that is true. It is, it is verifiably true, just even in the way we understand the Bible and understand what even God has revealed about himself. Uh, okay, Dr. Allison, so um, for those who are wanting to get into um, systematic theology, uh, maybe a little more structured, what are some helpful resources to begin to do that? Um, obviously, we've mentioned Dr. Grudem's systematic theology. Would there be other things that would be helpful to consult? Um, uh, Millard Erickson has a very good systematic theology called Christian Theology. Mm-hmm. Um, Herman Bavink. Uh, he's got a four-volume, for these who really want to go deep, he has a four-volume dogmatic theology, it's mm-hmm. called. There's also a one-volume kind of synthesis. These would be really good places to explore, uh, you know, beginning, if you and if you want to keep going deeper, there's, there's plenty out there. And then once you've finished with these one or several multiple-volume systematic theologies, and then just start taking books on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, mm. the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of last things, uh, things like it. And so, so you're reading books, 300, 400 pages or so, just on that one topic to go deep, if that would be another approach as well. Yeah, and you wrote a smaller, um, very accessible work. Uh, has it been a couple of years ago? 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith is uh, is a very accessible. It's seven pages for each of 50 doctrines. And it's how to understand these doctrines and how to teach them. Yeah, 50 core truths of the Christian faith. And I'm finding a lot of churches are using that as a very, very, very basic 
uh, systematic theology. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's very I, – I have it, and I've consulted it often. Um, and I even, for a while, was doing a um, five-minute systematic theology podcast for our youth group, and I would just work through major doctrines, and uh, I consulted that very often. In fact, I named that podcast series Core Truths. Um, how hard was that, though, to, to do seven pages? Um, because it seems like, wow, that would be so much easier than, than writing a massive volume. But I say it's pretty difficult to narrow exactly what you want to put in seven pages. It's way easier to write big books, at least for me. <laughs> right. My historical theology book is over 800 pages. Yeah. I wrote a 400-page book on uh, on the church, and we've got a 500-page book on the Holy Spirit. Those are fairly easy to write. Uh, but uh, a number of years ago, four or five years ago, I, I wrote a little book, um, a Baker uh, Compact Dictionary of Theological uh -huh. Terms. There are about 600 terms. I, I Just to challenge myself, I said, I'm going to write a definition, a hundred words exactly for every term. Yep. And that just really forced me to be concise. And so after having done that, uh, doing 50 core truths, I set 2,200 <laughs> words per topic. And I hit, I always I manipulated, I, I would do whatever it needed to have exactly 2,200 words. So it almost became a game, yeah. a challenge. What don't I need to say? I just have to cut, 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 cut to get down to the essence. And, and for me personally, I tend to be verbose, right? Just put too much in. It really constrained me to think, mm. what are the essential truths I need to communicate? Don't say anything more. Mm. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're talking to a preacher, um, and this is my life. Uh, yep. it, it You know, people are always asking... It, well, two things really. Um, are you nervous? And number two, how do you have that much to say? And I'm thinking, if you only knew how much <laughs> I did not say, um, then you would have no questions. <laughs> for, for preachers, right? And then for me as an author, it's it's what's on the cutting floor, right? right. <laughs> uh, there, there's way more on the cutting floor than what we have in our sermons yeah. and our books. Absolutely. People... Uh, maybe not realize that, but it is a discipline mm. to cut out a lot of things we would like to say and probably are very important to say. But if we say everything, we don't end up really teaching and affirming and, and helping people in beneficial right, ways. Right. Yeah, you almost kind of create a, a type of uh, intellectual or factual quicksand, right? You've given so many things that it just yep. kind of overwhelms those who are trying to um, access what you're putting out, either in a, in a book or, or through spoken word. Dr. Allison, would you have any final encouraging words to us um, in regards to systematic theology or, or just as we read the Bible and attempt to, to see these big um, doctrines in Scripture? I think key to both uh, reading uh, the Bible and then doing systematic theology is to make sure once we've understood a text that we're reading in the Bible, once we've uh, really thought through a particular doctrine, is to ask the question, okay, so mm. what? How does that change me? How does that change my church? How do I live this out? How do I hope my church lives this out? We, we have a tendency towards intellectualism, uh, just a lot of cognition, a lot of knowledge, which is mm -hmm. really good. But ultimately that needs to translate itself into love for God and love for yeah. others. 
And so I think important as we read the Bible, as we do systematic theology is, how is this changing my life? How is this should change the life of my church? And is this really resulting in loving God and loving others? If it's not, we need to go back and really think about that and apply it. If it is, then uh, hang on because it's a great ride uh, following the Lord. Yeah, amen, amen. All right, well, Dr. Allison, it really has been a joy to have you uh, on the podcast today. And um, it, it really is uh, an honor to have you and to talk about these things. Uh, and so thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time and uh, helping us to think better and more clearly uh, about the topic of systematic theology. Tyler, thanks so much. You're a great host. Thank you for excellent questions. Great dialogue. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.